0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
0: Good morning and welcome to The Property Show. I'm Keith Calm. This week, we take a look at one of Property Guru Malaysia's latest snapshots of the country's real estate market, its biannual consumer sentiment study for the first half of 2022. Of course, there are also a couple of new developments in the country, and we will be picking the brains of Sheldon Fernandez, Property Guru Malaysia's country manager. Budget 2023 first. Not too sure where we're going to go with this, <laughs> but, you know, what is your take on Budget 2023 vis-a-vis Malaysia's real estate market? Well, when it comes to the budget,
1: let's just assume whatever was announced is going to be implemented, right? Um, Otherwise, it's just a draft. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think the good thing is there was a lot of good points that were addressed in the budget. So when you think about property, you've got the affordability issue, which is one of the main feedbacks from our consumer sentiment survey, and then you have the affordable issue, mm-hmm. uh, which is around just the pricing becoming, you know, a bit more expensive uh, based on what people can afford. So if you think, if you look at that from our recent consumer sentiments survey, we found that 52% of our respondents actually citing unable to afford down payment as a top barrier. For home ownership, right, and that's where the affordability issue comes into play. So, uh, when you reflect that on the budget, I think it was interesting to see first of all the welfare of the people being taken care of. One key highlight was a two percent reduction in income tax, so that's more money in people's pockets for the year. Uh, but at the same time, I think when it comes to real estate specifically, the big one or the key highlights, I guess, would be the seventy five percent stamp duty discounts for first homeowners for properties between five hundred thousand to a million right until the end of next year. The other key highlight as well is the new construction and renovations of houses outside of the city. Um, This also reflected in our sentiment survey around people wanting to live or rather own or buy a property at the outskirts. And that's an allocation of 460 million down there. And on the affordable segment, half a million affordable housing units by the end of 2025. You know, overall, I think, you know, these were the key highlights. And that's why I said it's good because we've highlighted affordability and affordable aspects of the budget. But I think what could have, or I believe, done in a much better way, I guess, would be to address the secondary market as well. And this is something we've been calling out for quite some time, which is potentially the extension of home ownership campaign into the secondary market. Yeah, that hasn't happened, right? It but, hasn't yeah. happened. And in fact, HOC has become a very, very well-known initiative among our consumer sentiment survey and among the respondents, uh, they look out for such campaign. And if this was extended nationwide to the secondary market, we think this will help you know spur some activity in the market. And this would you know really tackle home affordability issue
0: and by extension the overhang issue, as we all know today. What have you seen since the HOC was introduced a couple of years back? Did it really move the needle in terms of reducing the number of property overhang? Well, I think it's a good reflection of what
1: the reality of the economy is today, right? The reason why consumers were looking out for such uh, initiatives is because... You know, economically wise, we are facing some challenges. You know, daily expenses, daily lives, everything's going up. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to housing or property, 71% of our respondents have indicated their intention to buy. But as I said, there's now 52% having difficulty around down payments. So affordability becomes an issue. So they look out for these campaigns. And and yes, it has spurred the market in the past. We've seen that high take up rates of uh, new projects that were launched that fell under that mm-hmm. scheme. Um, but that's one the main reasons why we say if we extend it to the secondary market,
0: you'll probably see bigger push in terms of property transactions in Malaysia. I was also encouraged by the announcement that the MRT3 project is going ahead. There seems to have been a lack of interest in transport-oriented developments. It was something that was really hyped up about when we came up with the first MRT line. Where do you think we're going with this? And is there really interest in these kinds of developments, you think? Actually,
1: we do. You know, from our, again, from the sentiment survey in the second half of this year, 35% of our respondents respondents actually consider public transportation facilities as an important factor when considering, you know, whether to buy or rent that property. And this is up from a 29%. But you can always tie that into the affordability side of things, which is, if I choose to stay in a certain area, then I'll need to look at the overall surrounding of the area, considering my daily expenses. You know things like transportation costs, cost of living. So all these factors, when you combine it, public transportation becomes a major factor when it comes to you know where I stay in, and the area and the
0: surrounding area I live with as to how I get from one place to the other. Getting into your consumer sentiment study proper, one thing that also stood out for me is how the risk of flash floods and landslides are some of the factors that potential home buyers are taking into account. I mean, anecdotally, I have seen several ads for new developments on my drive from Kota Baru to KL recently. The signboards basically just said these projects are in kawasan bebas banjir. I never in my life would imagine that that would be a selling point. Um, 92% out of 800 respondents, <laughs> that's worrying. Yeah. What does it tell you? Well, it tells you there's <laughs> a heightened
1: awareness around such natural mm-hmm. disasters, right? I mean, look, flooding has been an annual event, if you'd like, over the last few years, but I think particularly last year, it was at a different scale, right? You can safely call it a natural disaster for us in Malaysia. Uh, so it's obviously brought up that heightened awareness. In fact, 37% of our respondents actually now prioritise the reputation of the developers when it comes to considering buying and renting homes. So if the developers take this into consideration, where you build, your reputation of of what you build comes into play. So I think the natural disaster is, is on the tops of everybody's mind, especially when you're talking in this time of the year. But more so because there's the awareness of all this happening because of climate change as well. Right? So environmental factors
0: becomes one of the key factors into consideration when it comes to buying or renting a property. What are the trends like towards this end, addressing climate change and the environment? Because purchasing a home with those criteria almost always ends up being a bit more expensive than what a lot of home buyers can afford. Yeah, I think consumers generally are trying to do their part in terms
1: of making sure that they're contributing towards the betterment of the environment. I mean, you know, I can... It was a high 68% of our respondents from our study easily noted, like, look, things like solar panels, rainwater harvesting, and food waste composting are important features to have in the future. Now, this may be like a... Current add-on when it comes to when a developer is considering developing a property, but I think in no time this will become a must-have features when it comes to building a property and then putting it out there in the market. Things like EV as well, right? Mm. You know, this environment sort of higher uh, higher income groups have also noted that they will pay more for properties with EV charging ports. So, given the climate change, given you know natural disasters like floods, given how we should look at sustainability in the longer run, these are the trends we're starting to see. Consumers are becoming more aware and they're willing to do their part in order to contribute towards a sustainable
0: future. Are you seeing developers of new projects responding to these kinds of uh, requests? And are you seeing existing projects where they are actually considering upgrading what they are offering? So I think, yes, developers are putting
1: out sustainable, particularly sort of panels, eco-friendly, green certified buildings, if you'd like. Uh, so that's all in you know currently what they're doing. In fact, that's what they're building for in the future, or at least that's a standard. In terms of improving, I think what they're doing currently is they're partnering with people. Mm-hmm. so for example what's interesting to see you know for example public bank in some way, properties around financing for green and sustainable projects and then you've got Petronas and um sunrise uh, collaboration around exploring opportunities for renewable energy or, or sustainable uh, cities so those are things like that's happening in the market not just developer it's other key stakeholders as well like banks partnering to sort of deliver or address sustainable issues
0: but in this day and age when price of everything is going up increasing the price of pro- Property, isn't that going to bite them back, especially with such a big ticket item like this? I think that's the balancing act that eventually needs to happen as consumer trends
1: take the lead in terms of wanting such factors. And then from an overall development point of view, they'll have to make some calls as to how they feed into this need or this
0: want rather to meet the demands of the consumers. And you are seeing also a trend that many consumers are being okay with purchasing a home online. I think the underlying factor here is credit and we've started to see, you know, how things
1: like the home loan pre-approval, how digital banks have all come into play in recent times, but most of the last two years. So things like online payment has become a norm now, right? I mean, pre-pandemic, I used to carry cash around. Now, I don't carry cash at all because everything is through digital form of payments. And I think this... This sort of trend has spurred into the big ticket items as well. There's a lot more confidence that it's safe and it's as good as paying in person. But clearly, we we are starting to see this trend. It's not the norm yet, but it'll be interesting to see how this play out. But I would say, though, two in three Malaysians has highlighted in our survey that they are comfortable at least in terms of shortlisting and viewing a properties online, and one in four is comfortable in at least signing agreements online. So, you know, you're not going to the payments and transactions yet, but at least at the start of the journey of the process of buying
0: online and at least signing and and agreeing online, I think they're very comfortable in that space. And Bank Negara is currently waging war against scammers and we're seeing more and more cases of data breaches. What do you think needs to evolve in this space? Well... I think I can start by
1: how we look at ourselves, right? We yeah. aim to keep security at the center of everything we do, being a, a property You're trust a tech company. Yeah. Yes, right? So we always adopt good security practices. In fact, I'm glad to say that recently we were certified with ISO 27001, uh, which is, you know, internationally recognized for its security standards all around the world, right? So that's a good standard that we keep to ourselves too. But when you think about cybersecurity and why Bank Nagara is sort of clamping down on scammers, because this affects trust and sentiment in the industry. And sentiment is the starting point for the property sector. So I think it's it's important that you know, we ourselves, when we become the infrastructure of which everyone is seeking property, so there's a lot of Malaysians that come through the Property Guru and the iProperty Channel, and when sellers come and put their property online for sales, we allow them to make these confident property decisions. But the underlying principle is every decision they make basically creates trust between the user, the demand and the, and the supply side. So, you know, that's that's leading by example, really. But trust is absolutely crucial, and such activities should be
0: dealt with appropriately. We are talking to Sheldon Fernandez, Property Guru Malaysia's Country Manager, on The Property Show this morning. In a little while, we will take a look at what we can expect for the rest of 2022, and maybe beyond that even. BFM 89.9. We are back on The Property Show on BFM 89.9. We have Property Guru Malaysia's country manager, Sheldon Fernandez, with us this morning. Now, Sheldon, uh, I want to talk about Property Guru's performance. Your parent company, the NYSE listed Property Guru Group Limited, recorded a Q1 net profit of 3 million Singh dollars compared with a net loss a year ago. But I want to zoom in on Malaysia, of which you are country manager. The revenue growth at 170% is impressive to say the least. Take me through how this was achieved?
1: Well, to start in August of last year, we acquired iProperty in Malaysia. So now we have a very strong model of two brands, one team. Now, the two brands, one team is unique in a sense that we have both unique and complementary audiences in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to say that that model is proving to be successful. Um, Now, in Q2 of this year, as you rightly point out, you know, we grew 170% year on year, but that's a result of the acquisition of iProperty in Malaysia. Now, we will obviously focus on continuing the success. You know, there, there are obviously things that we need to look at in terms of the focus on integration of the business. You know, this includes the sales teams, the systems and tools, um, the operations, back office, etc. But we have already, you know, this model is going to work because, you know, we've kind of moved everybody into one location. So it's one team and then there's a two brand
0: externally facing. So we're very happy with the progress we're making. And the fact that Malaysia outperformed by far the larger markets of Singapore and Vietnam must really put pressure on your KPIs. Well, there's a lot of opportunities in Malaysia given our challenges in the property sector. So where we
1: think the growth is going to come from is from really from our core business, which is the marketplaces. There's still a lot of room for improvement, a lot of opportunity you know, the way we see it when it comes to heightened awareness around property affordability, property transactions, and that's the that's the sort of the, where the end result is. But also, you know, creating wide choices of properties for consumers. So aggregating demand and aggregating supply. But in between that there's two crucial pieces to the puzzle, which is the data sense to provide transparency to make more informed property decisions. And we've got a data business for that. And we've got Property Guru Finance to work with banks and institutions to make awareness of affordability and credit at the top of everybody's mind. So we've got Property Guru Finance as well for that. Are we looking at more acquisitions going forward? Well, that's something that the group mm-hmm. will embark on. But as for Malaysia, you know, we're very focused on our two brands, one team model. Again, there's lots
0: of opportunity there and we're seeing a lot of success coming out of that. You've also really upped your digital game in Malaysia. What will the strategy look like going forward? I mean, you've got collaborations that you're working on, CTOS data systems for one. So, well, I think that's a good starting point.
1: Mm -hmm. We see, you know, besides just being market leaders, uh, but it's also providing credible and trust among our users. And one of this is partnerships with organizations like CTOS, where you are able to understand the correlation between your credit health and your real state investment and this allows for consumers to make more informed property decisions which is our mission as a company so that you receive the right returns and you know you can assess credits in a more in a more transparent and professional manner we will continue to embark on this mission of creating a platform of trust to help people make more confident
0: property decisions. What does your expansion plans in Malaysia look like with COVID appearing to be, I mean, it's not gone, but it's a bit more stable now.
1: Well, one one aspect I would say though is we've recently announced Property Guru for Business. And the idea behind that was to enable B2B offerings, uh, you know, and, and make sure that there's one stop solution for our Customers. Right. Now, we have business on marketplaces, we have business around data sense, we have business around FastKey, which is the sales and automation business, and then we've got Property Guru Finance. So, the idea is to consolidate this into one offering, an end to end solution for our customers so that they can sort of take their businesses forward and be more
0: successful with the partnership with Property Guru. How does Property Guru Finance work? It's, a, it's in collaboration with another financial institution or are you guys all already going into the fintech space? Well, it does touch digitization of the finance space. But basically,
1: it's about helping our customers to gain access to digitally enhanced mortgage application processes that enable straightforward mortgage application. right? And this is in partnership with banks across the region. All banks, or any particular one that you are working with? Well, the system is designed for us to integrate with all banks, but we are obviously in
0: discussions with partnership with a few banks. You embarked on a brand repositioning as well. I have to ask you: there was a recent change to your logo, but I don't see much of a change there. What's the rationale behind it? Well, first of all, thanks <laughs> for noticing. Uh, but look, our logo has been optimized to better reflect
1: trust, right? Um, and we think about the new brand positioning. The idea is where every step of your journey you'll be guided by a guru or guided by guru. And this reflects our vision to be a trusted advisor, but also uh, reflects our group's mission to help everyone make confident property decisions. So it's a journey towards becoming Southeast Asia's property trust platform. But in the story of trust, Rufus, which is our logo, we actually have a name for it, Rufus, will behave like a trust mark. So it's like the ISO stamp of trust for the property sector.
0: And our hope is when people see it, they will know this is a trusted entity. Is Malaysia's infrastructure for the prop tech industry sufficient? What needs to change to ensure something more robust and more importantly to secure growth? I think the infrastructure is in place.
1: I think it takes time, given its big asset class and the huge decision that people Mm -hmm. need to make to adopt this comfortably. But what will help though is transparency across the value chain and this will enable trust and, and therefore spur more action for a more digital approach. We're not quite there yet though. Not there yet, but the trends are starting to happen, right? So the, at least people are searching online, that's a starting point. They are okay to sign
0: agreements online, that's sort of the next step, and then go into further down the transaction value chain. Okay, I want you to look into your crystal ball now. What do you see Malaysia's property sector to be like? What will the demand look like for new developments if, say, you know, Bank Negara were to keep the OPR steady at the current rate? Although I have spoken to some analysts, they do expect one more hike before the year is out. Well, overall, rising inflation in OPR is,
1: you know, the factors that that will contribute to most cautious approach to buyers making large property decisions but we have got to remember when it comes to opr we're coming off a low base mm-hmm. right pre pandemic it was at 3.4% if i'm not mistaken and then if you and we're coming off a low 2.5 going into a 2.75% opr rate so we're coming off a low low raise. in fact our um, uh, respondents from the consumer sentiment survey are all expecting a rise in property prices but clearly this is going to be a con- Challenge in Malaysia, given the affordability issues we've had for the longest time and affordable issues for the longest time. So I think with all these factors and the looming you know economic situation, this is going to put a lot more stress on everyday cost of living and therefore property transactions will likely take a very slow and cautious approach towards transaction. Now what we'll see though is the reverse, which is rent will go up, right? rental demand will go up. So in our year-on-year comparison of our rental demand, we've we've seen a ninety-eight percent increase increase. So if you're not buying, you're renting because property is something that you need regardless. And this will be the trend moving forward, at least in the foreseeable future until we start seeing
0: things a bit more settled around affordability for everyday households. So the shift towards rental would be more pronounced as we go forward? Absolutely. We're starting to see that trend already. During the pandemic and with all the lockdowns and uh, work from home pivot, there was talk that demand for houses outside the city and in non-traditionally populated areas would rise. Have you seen that happening? Yeah,
1: I mean the trend has largely remained the same, really. From our survey, we found actually more than half the buyers who consider property outskirts of the city. The top reasons behind these are because number one, there's cheaper prices, fifty-nine percent of them cited the fact that this would contribute to a cheaper price property but also because it's more quiet, more serene, there's greenery in the landscapes but but the fact that companies have now made this a norm, this work from home, this allows for longer term decision making around where should I stay compared to where I work and the other thing that will come into play is obviously the mobility, so Mm -hmm. transport oriented development,
0: TODs around how do I get to work whenever I need to, becomes a factor. Demand for local property amongst foreign buyers have you seen that returning? Well, we've noticed that there are
1: interest from foreign buyers, especially when the borders are reopening. We definitely will be able to benefit on the back of you know, Malaysia tourism kicking off. Uh, I will say though, that Kuala Lumpur has recently announced the number one city for expats to work and live in, given the weakening record. And this posed like a silver lining to foreigners, right? Because it's a lower cost of living in Malaysia compared to their home countries. Uh, so with this in mind, I think developers, you know, they look to strategize the higher range units for foreign buyers, you know, knowing that the rising property prices in Malaysia may be difficult for locals to purchase in the short term. And then we've got programmes like Malaysia, My Second Home. That's encouraging. I think we need to look at it a bit more holistically. I think recently, we, you know, there's about one thousand four hundred sixty-one participants withdrawing from the programme, which is a cause of concern. But if we were to capitalise on foreign ownership, we need to make it a bit better for foreigners to sort of want
0: to take that journey of uh, buying a property in Malaysia. Finally, with GE15 coming up, how do you see this affecting sentiment? Well, I think, you know, you've got to go through
1: this phase. But I think... You know, this will clearly take a more cautious approach towards transacting. So the wait-and-see approach will happen, at least in this quarter. Uh, And hopefully, you know, with some stability coming down the future in 2023 onwards, we'll start to see that curve pick
0: up. Hope springs eternal. Sheldon Fernandez, thank you very much. Thank you. We've been speaking with Sheldon Fernandes, Property Guru, Malaysia's country manager on The Property Show. If you've missed any part of this conversation, you can download the podcast via the BFM app on Google Play and the Apple App Store or just go on to bfm.my. This has been The Property Show. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The
1: Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.